Welcome to what the if the show that feeds you with knowledge and terror. Uh, Terror. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a little bit of terror <laughs> sprinkled on there. Fortified with terror. <laughs> That's very good. That's very good. I am uh, Philip Shane, documentary filmmaker and host of this uh, rattling freight train called What the If. And uh, that was the uh, wonderful sonorous tones of uh, Professor Matthew Stanley from uh, New York University. How are you, Professor? Uh, I continue to exist. Um, my continuity in space time <laughs> remains unbroken, so can't complain. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. Now, is it truly continuous, though? That's the ultimate. Uh, question. Well, you'll need a unified field theory to decide on that. So let me know. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> I laid it up and you slammed it. That was fantastic. <laughs> also, the lovely sonorous tones of um, um, do you, do. You're not professor, obviously, Gabby Panicia, but do you get a title as a, a virologist or doctor? Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, well, I don't have doctor right. yet. That's coming. Although I did get an email address to Dr. Panicia because oh, nice. journals, whenever you publish, they just, they by default address you as doctor. Oh, nice. Let me tell you, that is nice. <laughs> I ride that high for weeks. That's exciting. <laughs> Good. That's fantastic. That should be enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What you more know, could you, you get sp- Yeah, I'm. Uh, yeah, we we should all be able to well, go by what, however we're addressed by spam. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I also know too that you know my my parents have said that they will refuse to address me by my name following that, and they're, I'm just going to get "What's up, Doc?" all the time <laughs> from my parents. That's so it's mm-hmm. edging closer to a future where <laughs> that is my That's life, fantastic. which I'm, I'm fully embracing. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. Um, and uh, Gabby, could you describe for someone who just tuned in, so to speak, however that's done today in the digital day, who accidentally downloaded it and it started playing uh, in their app, what, what, what have they stumbled upon? Yeah, uh, if you are a victim of <laughs> laggy Spotify and accidentally wound up opening this podcast and are just like, I eh, might as well, I'm bored at work. Um, what, we, what we do is we do thought experiments on the show. So we change one thing about the universe and follow its ripples outward, um, which ends up in some weird places. Um, so it's kind of frivolous and a little fanciful, but hopefully we teach you real science along the way. That's a, yeah, that's a, or yeah, kind of blow something up psychically. Yeah. yeah. We usually end at the point that things get destroyed. That's, yeah. It's very true. It's very true. Um, and in fact, I, I just had an image, you know, I recently rewatched uh, Apocalypse Now. And surfing is this is not a spoil mild spoiler alert. And if you have, if you haven't seen Apocalypse Now, one of the ten different versions that exist, all of which are excellent, um, surfing plays a big role, an important role, and um, which you wouldn't expect necessarily in a war movie. But uh, we surf, <laughs> we surf those ripples. We 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 the the ripples of the if mm-hmm. uh, the ripples of the if sea we ride. Uh, yeah, Summit, there's a T-shirt percolating there somewhere. Sorry. We'll work on it. Speaking right of on. T-shirts. Right on, brother. Spe- <laughs> Speaking of T-shirts, that that uh, 
uh, tubular dude you just heard John. coming in <laughs> What's up, is uh, our um, uh, researcher um, uh, outreach coordinator, um, Patreon um, Poobah, uh, Joshua Reinstein. How are you, Joshua? Hi. I, I like that. Patreon Poobah. Patreon Poobah. Oh, I'm glad you like that. Great one. Glad you like that. I, I was thinking uh, Grand Lord and Master of all things Patreon, but that will do. <laughs> that will do right, nicely. Right. <laughs> um, Joshua, what's uh, just tell us real quick for what Patreon for those who have never heard of Patreon. What is that? Well, Philip, Patreon is a wonderful, magical place where if you back us at a certain tier level, uh, which means you pay a certain number of dollars per month. Tears. Tears. You pay in tears. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh your tear you actually have to cry to uh no. <laughs> um you will receive certain rewards and these rewards will vary depending on what tier you're back at. And um the uh the current standing reward right now is at one dollar per month you can receive our eternal gratitude, which is honestly the best reward that anyone could ever ask for. Um, but there are some cooler rewards going up the levels. If you back at $5, for example, you will get access to our newsletter, which is uh, um, in flux at the moment. The <laughs> the newsletter, that is. It's in the, in the flux capacitor. It's in the flux capacitor. It's being generated. Yeah. Um, yeah. We have, we have we're a, driving backwards very fast. We're driving backwards, yes. To find it. Some, yeah. Think of it as sort of an interstellar situation where as soon as you pay the money, you get blasted into an unknown realm of consciousness. With Matthew McConaughey? With Matthew McConaughey wow. reading you the newsletter, in fact. Wow, I'd pay for that. Yeah. Wow, that's pretty, I tell you, considering how much it usually costs to get something that blasts you to a new level of consciousness, five bucks is, is a good deal. It's a, it's a pretty um, good deal, I think. Pretty good deal. And uh, just tell us real quick in 30 seconds, what kind of uh, physical physical merch can uh, people get at the higher levels? Well, at $10 per month, you get access to an exclusive sticker, which you can take on the go. At $20 a month, you get a mug, which is uh, described as a comfortable pocket universe for your beverage. Mm. Uh, at the $50 level, you get a t-shirt, um, which looks good on you no matter which dimension you're from. And at the $100 level, you get an exclusive hoodie uh, emblazoned with our logo on it. Um, and it will provide you quite a bit of comfort in this time of uh, of coldness. Although I hear it is getting warmer. Yeah, it's getting warmer. And in New York, the rats are out. You know, the rats are able to go get pizza again, drag pizza down the <laughs> steps in the subway. It's, the city's coming alive. Yeah. Yes, thank, thank you, thank Joshua. Thank God for that. Yeah. <laughs> The pizza rats always, are out again. The pizza rats. Joshua, thank you very much. Joshua will be back uh, at the end of the show. We'll talk a little bit about that that Patreon thing. Uh, Patreon and, and and our Patreon listeners have reminded me. Uh, you got to give the link, otherwise people don't find it. Patreon.com. Patreon.com slash what the if. Patreon.com slash what the. That's right. Patreon. Thank you, Joshua. If. And we're also you, Joshua, on we all social media. Uh, twitter.com slash what they have show that's right that's right thank you joshua all right joshua we'll see you see you in a bit and uh we're gonna get to the if speaking of getting to the speaking of the if uh this week um it comes to us from me uh -huh. yeah I, uh, a point of privilege 
I'm just I'm just doubling, I'm just doubling down, and uh, who knows where this may have come from? It may be an idea I have every day at a certain time of day, mm -hmm. and that is here we go. What these are uh, the thought experiment of the week? What the if? Humans, that's you, could eat, wait for it, anything, anything, anything at all. I mean, we'll test the limits. That's what we do here. But in the interest of science, I will personally... Uh, do, run this experiment now. Uh, what the if humans could eat anything? And uh, Gabby, as as our resident uh, biologist, um, uh, I'll first go to you and ask. Um, this is how this works, by the way. We 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 throw science fiction into the wind, perhaps, or we ask absurd questions such as "What the if we could eat anything?" In the interest of first shocking ourselves. Uh, second, uh, having a, having a, having a laugh, as they say, our friends, uh, in, in the United Kingdom, for instance, um, but also in the interest of science. And so I ask you, Gabby, why can't, for what is, what happens when we eat, why can we eat some things and why can we not eat others? Boom. Yeah. So. I mean, first of all, when you first pitched this, if I kind of had the immediate mental image of, have you ever, have you guys ever seen the game show Candy or not? It's like Japanese. It's like where they try to eat random things around a room because one thing is made of chocolate and oh, they have to figure amazing. out what it is. No. Oh, very entertaining. Cause you'll see like, there's like a great like photo of like one guy and he like bit off part of a doorknob and it was the doorknob <laughs> that was made of chocolate and his face is like lighting up. And I'm kind of imagining human beings now being able to just sort of eat anything in their immediate vicinity, <laughs> much like that, except that it doesn't need great. to be made of chocolate. Um, so actually eating things is, is really interesting um and sort of how that comes about that you can eat a certain thing as opposed to other yeah. things so humans are omnivores we kind of specialize in being able to eat a lot of different things so that there's never comp too much competition for one thing you're never starving because our specific food is, is being taken away um but animals kind of have you know many different strategies that they can use towards finding food and specialize towards food um, so, for example, one strategy is to eat something that there's just a bunch of, so there's never really mm -hmm. that much competition. Um, or you eat something that nobody else eats. Mm -hmm. um, so this is something like koalas and eucalyptus, where it's pretty poisonous to, like, literally anything else. Um, but they're fine, so they eat it. I didn't know um, that. Or I think it's... Interesting. Yeah, or I think uh, monarch butterflies and milkweed is another one. Um, so you can specialize. Or you could do what we did, and we went, we're not going to specialize in anything, really. We're just going to eat everything. Um, not exactly everything, but a lot of different things so that we can't really be forced out of any one thing. That just, that you know, that so, seemed to actually explain just a tiny bit about humans. I don't know. I just see that sort of like, you know, nondescript. Uh, and but let me take one step back. The, you, the, uh, the koalas, you just gave me so much more respect for the koala, I think of them as you know among the most adorable animals on the planet. I confess, but I just now have this image of them just sort of like 
sidling into the Japanese restaurant and the you know, sushi restaurant and coming up to the bar and just like saying, give me that poison, the most poisonous fish. No. You had like on the Simpsons, mm-hmm. you know, where he and they unlock the chef unlocks it from the box, whatever. It's like, that's right. Bad, mm-hmm. badass koalas. Yeah. Well, I will say it is kind of funny because humans do kind of enjoy eating toxins and uh, plant defense mm-hmm. molecules. Um, so in the wild, there's plenty of plants and other organisms that make things that are meant to kill whatever would eat them. Um, these. So one of the big ones is um, caffeine and capsaicin Uh, so caffeine is in coffee capsaicin is spicy like that's it's like hot peppers um that's the molecule that Mm -hmm. makes it hot um and there's our insect deterrence and instead human beings went oh that's tasty (laughs) and decided to cultivate them and grow them and make a lot more of them um so we are kind of a species that does in a weird way chase toxins sometimes our own i mean we make alcohol which is not good for us but we recreationally consume on the reg um, so we are definitely, we definitely have very unique diets, um, as opposed to other organisms in part, because we do make certain things as well to kind of expand what we can eat and how. Um, so for example, yucca, I believe if you ate it raw, it gets processed into cyanide mm-hmm. or it contains some amount of it. Wow. Um, however, we're able to process it and make it edible, um, where it ordinarily would not be an available food source to us. So props to us for being clever little monkeys. We managed to be able to eat even more than we could originally if we just went out through the woods and picked random stuff. Wow. Do we know if evolutionarily we began that way or were we forced to become that way? Or was it just sort of, that was just one of those random evolution things. You shall eat anything. Well, omnivore-wise, we're pretty well selected. That's that's kind of a primate thing. Um, a lot of primates will eat some bugs, small animals, dead small animals. Um, so chimpanzees also eat other monkeys, um, which I feel like a lot of people don't know. They just think fruit. Um, so that that's kind of very much in line with us being primates. Wait, chimpanzees are cannibals. About anything. Essentially. Well, not they don't eat each but other, but they eat other yeah. smaller monkeys. So oh, I see. yeah, yeah. I see. So actually bringing in the virology, um, because I'm a dork and a virologist, um, <laughs> that's actually part of how um, the simian immunodeficiency virus got to chimpanzees, mm. was because they got it from sooty, eating sooty mango bees, um, which I think were the natural carriers of oh, that's it. That's interesting. Um, so, there you go, eating sooty mango bees again. I told you. Yeah, you know. It's not good for I you. I told you, they're bad for you. <laughs> but mommy, they taste so good. <laughs> so what the ter- so why can't uh, we eat wood say it's it's organic um as you say we're omnivores good at eating lots of stuff what's what's the limit there why did i have a bad day yesterday when i tried to eat some wood wait did you also get to the center of the popsicle and be disappointed that you can't keep eating do you have any idea how many licks it took to get to the center of that popsicle it's crazy <laughs> Only get a splinter at the very end. Oh! Uh, yeah. So I, I feel like this is a couple ways to talk about digestion as a process. Um, so there's mechanical digestion and chemical digestion. The mechanical digestion is physically being able to break a thing apart. If you take a block of wood and you try to bite into it and you can't, congratulations, you cannot mechanically digest that. Um, so mechanical digestion is the process of basically chewing our food as opposed to swallowing it whole. 
and just starting to break things into smaller pieces, which are easier to digest. Um, chemical digestion starts immediately when you put something in your mouth. This is enzymes, that's proteins that do things, and essentially begin to chemically break down your food. Um, this is also what part of what your stomach is for. It is basically just a pit of acid, um, which is used to break apart uh, anything that you put into it. Um, unfortunately, however, despite having a pit of acid that we carry around, we're not always able to break all of the chain, all of the chemical bonds between things. Um, so, for example, cellulose, cellulose, cellulose is the, the one that makes up mm. most uh, plant matter. That's very difficult for us to break down. We don't really digest it well. Um, er, like herbivores, straight up herbivores, they have, I think they have cellulase enzymes themselves and slash or they definitely have more intestinal bacteria, which themselves have those enzymes to break down the stuff mm. in their gut. Um, guts are actually super well designed for what they need to be. Um, so, for example, a carnivore, which has a mostly protein diet from meat, is very, very easy to break down for the most part. Um, so they have pretty short um, intestinal systems relative to herbivores, which have really, really long intestines and often multiple stomachs in some cases Whoa. to aid in digestion and really breaking down the stuff that they're eating. Because you can't, can't get it on one path. Mm -hmm. um, herbivores also possess something called a cecum, which is another sort of loop back pit for extra digestion and having bacteria we don't have it um so there's definitely a lot of gut specialization um and i should mention that you know stomachs are good for a sort of a, like breakdown of stuff but all of your absorption of actually getting the nutrients from your thing is happening in your intestines um so the stomach is a good way to store excess food um, but for example, my goldfish, which is you know across the room from me, doesn't have a stomach. He's just really? got intestines, which is it's why stomach free. Yeah, I did yeah. not know that. Stomach free. Wow. Um, you got to use it or lose always, it. That's what happens. Yeah. Yeah. It's why he's always looking at me for food because they kind of constantly graze because they don't. As I understand, they don't really have a, a concept of full necessarily because we regulate hunger based on fullness of our mm. stomach, in part. Um, and if you don't have one, you're just going to kind of, if you're a fish, at least, keep eating. So goldfish are constantly <laughs> hangry. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and if you look at goldfish, they do kind of yeah, give you a hangry vibe. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's really interesting. You know, and I do wonder, like, I always, this is a another if, perhaps not even in science, science necessarily, but, like, their philosophy would be t totally different, you know? Uh, if, you know, if you were writing a science fiction novel and imagining a, an alien race that doesn't have a stomach and you know, whatever they, they have to constantly graze. Like what would be there? Matt, how do you, I'm going to totally throw that at you, Matt. Uh, what do you think? Just a little thought. How might that change how a, if a species thinks? Uh, they well, don't have a stomach. They can't say, store I mean, anything. If you, I should say, if you can't even store food on the order of hours, which is presumably what our stomach does, um, you don't have, the big chunks of time to do anything other than food, right? You're always looking for food. You are the goldfish wandering around. Um, I suspect it would be hard to do things like develop tools and civilization um, if you're constantly eating. Um, although, yeah, I don't know. It's um, it's an interesting one. It would be hard to imagine, I think. Um, uh, it's kind of the analog if you think of like civilization storing food so that they can then spend time doing things other than farming 
Um, but we couldn't even do that on a biological uh, level. That would be really problematic, right. I think. <laughs> like a tool they could use would be a stomach. So it'd be, as Gabby, as, as Gabby, as you described it so beautifully, a bucket of acid that you carry around. If a goldfish suddenly figured out how to carry around a bucket of acid, watch out. Uh, that would be bad news for everyone. That's right. Yeah. 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 Um, uh, I would say, is this true to say, Gabby, that um, one of the things about the fact that we, the humans, I won't speak for myself necessarily because I'm not that good at experimenting. Once I found what I like to eat, <laughs> I just eat the same thing. <laughs> it's easier that way. Last night, last night I, I ordered food in and, you know, I went, I went on Seamless and I, uh, which is a website where you can order the delivery. Anyway, and I went through all the, you know, we live in New York, so there must have been 20, 25 interesting restaurants, 24 of which I'd never eaten at, and, and all sounded interesting and looked <laughs> delicious. The pictures of the food looked delicious. And then, boom, I hit the reorder button, the express reorder button on the Chinese restaurant. <laughs> I exactly always the go same to thing. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Boom, you're done. You don't have to think about it. So I think... Um, but but we do know that as a species, for sure, and I won't say anything about the college campuses both of you happen to uh, live on or near, uh, experimentation, go, as you said, Gabby, is happening all the time. And in a way, that's actually like a super visual, totally at a human, literally at a human scale, example of evolution. Is that correct? Like the fact that we are testing things constantly, is that a way that evolution might discover a new thing or no? I wouldn't implicate evolution in this because this is more of adaptation and a species individually learning. We're not changing our biology. Evolution oh. refers to changes in biology and genetics over time. We're not changing our biology or our genetics by figuring out more things to eat. Ah. Um, we're just exhibiting new behaviors, um, which I think is really fun when you consider it because one of the things we have going for us over a lot of different animals is that, well... A lot of different animals that are not invasive species, I'll start with that and then loop back to it, um, is that because we're everywhere, we get to eat different foods across different locations. Mm -hmm. So, for example, if you are eating at a restaurant that you've never been to before and it's a cuisine that you're not familiar with, you may not recognize half the vegetables, which I think is super cool um, because these are things that people not necessarily specialized to eat as in, in an evolutionary sense. Their guts are different from ours. No, we're all the same. But... Just that people in an area learned, I can eat this, I can prepare it this way in a way that is now makes an inedible thing edible. Um, and it's just really fun. I think it's always very neat to watch how people process food. Like uh, one of the things I enjoy is I enjoy Chinese food tremendously. Um, and oftentimes there's a lot of really interesting ways that like starches get processed into things like glass noodles, which are very transformative when you consider what you're originally starting out with is just potato starch. Um, so we are very clever little That's foodies. interesting. And how much of that would you attribute to, not quite how to say it, to limited digestive ability, right? If we could eat everything, would there be interesting cuisine in different places? Or would everyone just be sitting around munching on the baseboards? Because, like, why, bo why right, bother right. making an interesting dish if we can just eat whatever's around? I would oh. recommend, by the way, if well, you're going mean, to eat the room you're in, start at the top. Oh. I think you know, yeah. starting at the bottom might have just uh, awkward. the mm. one week of architecture class I took yeah, or engineering might be a problem. But uh, go ahead, Kevin. Well, you know, as long as your baseboards aren't load-bearing, <laughs> which that's I true. think is infrequent, you could still go for the baseboards. Exactly. Baseboard. It's confection. That's it's a confection. Yeah. Yeah. 
But, uh, you know, me, you know, I don't really know. I, I can't tell how much of that is a human mm-hmm. fixation as just part of us being curious little creatures, as opposed to because we need to eat things um, and can't eat everything. Um, I will say plants do vary by, from region to region. Um, and even if we are chewing on different barks, etc., cetera, uh, I'm sure we'd be like, this one tastes slightly different. Mm. Um, if you're chewing on the bark of a cinnamon tree, yeah, you're going to be like, this one is very different. Um, so, I mean, I don't, I don't really know. Maybe we would have developed some sort of uh, wood-based gastronomy. <laughs> that sounds great. You could carve beautiful things and then eat them. Yeah. 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 I'm seeing mm-hmm. that on top. Oh, yeah. Chef. That's right. That would be good. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think that you talk about Iron Chef, people could really be eating iron. Uh, well, I we eat just... iron anyway, I suppose, but we, but you could literally just eat, you know, rocks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, <laughs> the mind reels. Mmm, some steel. That's delicious tasty stuff. Steel is real. Okay, but now actually, let's. So so yeah, we got we got to push this if here. We can eat. We can eat anything. Um, what are there things? Uh, you know what. What might happen? So suppose, suppose if we were like that, I would think that things that were in abundance around us that we're not eating now because we're not, we're not able to eat just anything, uh, we would go for it, like dirt or, right? I mean, what's if, if we think about evolutionarily, suppose this was from the beginning we were able to eat anything. For some reason, our, you know, ancestors... Uh, before they left Africa, even, you know, had developed the ability to literally eat anything. Um, what might uh, Dr. Leakey have found when he went back to, to find, uh, is it Lucy, one of our, the oldest ancestor, three million years or something? Um, what do you think? Well, so I guess this kind of goes into organic versus inorganic. Uh Um, So part of the reason why we talk about digesting organic matter, even if it is wood and it's something we're not able to digest, is that we're kind of built of the same chemicals. So when people talk about, say, organic chemistry, um, essentially what they're talking about is carbon. Carbon is very stable. It's able to form four different chemical bonds. Um, So it enables you to kind of make a web of different things. Um, It being very stable and also very good to build long molecules with is why we exist um you know we don't just sublimate away because we got hit by a little bit too bright of a ray of sunlight we're we're very stable structures being organic creatures um inorganic things are things like rocks um and if you were to say try to digest a rock um the you're not breaking these organic bonds you're not separating carbons that then you can use to make more of yourself um, you're not a plant pulling carbon dioxide from the air to use the carbon in building yourself and then the oxygen to, you know, release back out. Um, you'd be getting minerals. You'd be getting ionic bonds. Usually, I don't really remember too much about rock formation from my geology years in high school. Um, but essentially what you're getting is not what you are made of. Um, so even while we do need some metals because we need ions, we need available electrons, ways to just pass energy back and forth in our bodies. We aren't ourselves made of steel. But if we're able to digest these, somehow break them down and reuse them, that would be really interesting. And I'm reminded of 
oh god, I want to say it's a snail or a mussel. There are organisms that are capable of using um, metals and minerals and stuff like that to harden shells. And to essentially wow. repurpose wow. Um, inorganic compounds in ways that we don't. Wow. So they can ascent, they really can like build better armor for themselves by eating yeah. Yeah. eating so a little harder is, uh, material. Yeah. Yeah. So I it is a deep sea snail. Um, it lives in it's called a sea pangolin, Aww. which yeah. I think is kind of funny, especially considering it's it, it would, if you look at it, it has these like bristles, almost like pangolin scales. So I can see why they they would have named it that. Um, it lives by a couple of hydrothermal vents in the Indian Ocean, and it uses iron sulfate to build these armor, this these armored plates around the squishy, snaily parts of itself. Um, so it's apparently also very confusing as far as digestion goes because it doesn't really seem to eat, but um, it seems to rely on energy produced from bacteria that it has a commensal relationship with which is bonkers this might be there would be another explanation for how superman uh you know superman being called the man of steel it might be that he actually eats a little steel in his diet a little more you know than what you might get from frosted flakes a little bit yeah yeah fortified with when you're iron. not looking he takes uh, some bites out of the the girders right around uh now now <laughs> uh, okay interesting right you just said that would it, could we say, it seems to me it would be likely then if we could eat anything uh, and if it was beneficial, say, to eat things that were incredibly hard and inorganic, that we would develop much more powerful uh, teeth and jaws and things, right? Because you can't just take, even if you could digest steel, you're not going to be taking a bite out of a steel. You know, you're not going to put steel in between two two slices of bread. And as we all know, if humans can put two slices, put something between two slices of bread. Oh, we, we will. will. Yes. Right. Yeah. 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 So you're. So two things with that, which I think is really kind of interesting. One, yes, absolutely. If it was beneficial for us, where we need to chomp steel a hundred percent to live, <laughs> yeah. we are going to develop a much stronger bite strength, um, or some other way of. If we could find our way around it, being reasonably intelligent animals to shave it or something like that. Um, also, steel is, a, is an amalgam, right? It's two different things right. together. So right. I don't know if we'd have to go. Ba we wouldn't make the stronger thing in order to eat it ourselves. Maybe we we, we have layers to our, our sandwich in which it's true. It wouldn't make iron and carbon. You go to all else. the effort of making yeah. steel, you know, and then you eat it. But well, so humans, we do. I mean, we'll spend hours cooking yeah. something and then Weird spend five yeah. minutes eating it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But <laughs> the one thing that this actually reminded me of is um the the sort of a Neolithic Chad jaw, which is a neat thing I, I learned about. And it's so y y everyone here who's listening has probably dealt with wisdom teeth, or at least is familiar with the idea that what the hell are these things that come and they completely wreck your mouth. And just shove all your teeth everywhere. Why do we have them? Well, for one, people are starting to be born without them because there's no evolutionary pressure for us to need them. And so, which is pretty nice. I oh, am tremendously jealous of my boyfriend. Yeah, my boyfriend, I think, only has three out of four um, or two out of four, something like that, which is very nice. Uh, so, I mean, as far as dental fees go, that is a, a distinct advantage. Um, wow. But it, 
if you're like me who still has all four and is waiting for the day in which they emerge and ruin my life, um, an interesting thing about the way our mouths are is that it turns out because we eat more processed food now than we did hundreds of years ago, um, our jaws aren't as big. So part of what made the jaws bigger was not evolution. It was not that we've evolved smaller jaws, but actually rather it was in response to the fact that we were physically needing to use them more. The foods that we were eating were less processed. They were harder. They were tougher. Um, I personally experienced this not that long ago when I decided to buy myself a bag of carrots and just eat those as snacks and my jaw hurt. I was like, dang, I should have done this more as a kid. Yeah. So I would have gotten like a, a nice beefy Chad jaw. So I could have, you know, you got continued to eat carrots or whatever. You got but, Twinkie jaw. That's right. Weak. Yeah. Weak. Yeah. I, I have a tiny soy boy jaw from my... <laughs> Two week sandwiches or something. I guess I didn't put enough metal mixed in with like yeah. my whole Common grains. Mm -hmm. Yeah, my grandmother yeah, always used know. to tell me to eat carrots because it was good for good for your vision. I don't know if that's true or not. It is not. Which yeah. is propaganda not, made up by true. the British to disguise radar. Yep. Is that it? <laughs> yeah. So no, it is not true. <laughs> Wait, carrots disguise radar during World War II when radar was still a secret. Um, the Nazis right. were catching on to the fact that the Brits were able to catch their uh, airplane raids even at night. Um, so right. they knew something was up. So the, the Brits started broadcasting this totally made up story that uh, their pilots were eating lots of carrots and that helped their night vision. And that's why they were able to, to catch these. Okay, that is <laughs> amazing. <laughs> they really... The the, the Brits were war, amazing. Yeah. <laughs> the Brits are amazing, and 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 yet and yet, or I was gonna, you know, I was about to say the Brits, and then I thought, you know what? They are war is a terrible, terrible. As I mentioned, I was watching Apocalypse Now. War is a horrible thing, uh, at least in the movies, it appears to be, and uh, and yet this, this kind of this this is uh, the mother of what is it? The mother of uh, necessity is the mother of invention. Yeah, sometimes people can. Have fun with it. Maybe that's that's something the Brits were particularly good at. It's coming up with things that were clever that saved I, the Western civilization and also kind of had fun at the same mm -hmm. time a little bit. You know, all the 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 I, the, the, uh, the what they made balloon blew up uh, tanks that were almost like parade mm -hmm. balloons, right? So they could make it look like there were a lot more tanks, things like that. If you find this interesting, yeah. I highly encourage you to read *The Art of War* by Sun Tzu. Oh. There are some old timey. Uh, anecdotes in there of really clever things that people did. One of my favorites being an army that ran out of arrows. Um, so they made boats with straw people in them and then pushed them out into the river or something like that. So the opposing army thought they were invading, shot the straw people full of arrows, and then they used ropes to pull <laughs> the straw people back so they could get all of their arrows. <laughs> so oh. That's how they stole a bunch of arrows from the enemy, which is very clever. Um, and there's a lot of really fun vignettes sprinkled mm -hmm. in there like that. That is fun. I did not know that. Sounds like that'd be a great cartoon series. I think maybe somebody should do that. Maybe set it in space and, and then we could watch it. Um, Matt, if you could eat anything, what would it be? Is there something you're just like, oh, man, I could, I'd go to town on that? No, I think it would just be whatever is closest to me when I'm hungry. Right. I'm sitting <laughs> yeah. in my office on yeah. a Zoom meeting and I really need to eat something right then, but I can't leave um, if I could just take a bite out of the encyclopedia next to me. Um, big time saver. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's true. It's, it's You'd have to, uh, if everything were edible, wow, that's an interesting thing. He just gave me an image of the library, for instance. Mm -hmm. 
Um, it's hard enough keeping students from, uh, well, falling asleep in the library is one thing, but it's, it's some, that's not so bad. It's to be the, the least of, of the crimes you could do in a library. Or writing on things, stealing things, yes. whatever. Mm-hmm. But if students could eat the books, I think that library would not last yeah, a week. we would just not let them in the library you know. anymore. Right, right. Um, now, uh, the next thing that happens, the next level of this is combining things. I, I'm, I'm thinking of uh, some of our listeners come from countries where they take the food a bit more, <laughs> they have a bit more elegance in their food preparation. Mm-hmm. Places like Italy, France, for instance. Um, and uh, Italy, in, well, both Italy and France, I suppose, but Italy in particular, just because I was thinking about it. Um, they take very simple things and put it together very elegantly, and it's delicious. Um, if we literally could eat anything what might be some combos you might put together what would you could you imagine would be a common um hmm. thing that pe- when people intentionally sat down and said oh, i'm gonna make a little you know a little instead of a little pasta you know with some fresh tomatoes and uh, some basil on top and some freshly grated cheese um Phil, you're just making me hungry. Yeah, I'm thinking, well, I was just, I was thinking that uh, it, it's funny because we keep the things that are around. Oh, you know what it is? We've been talking about materials that are in abundance, you know, not steel so much, but metal, uh, wood, things oh, like that. Yeah. And um, the most, some of the most prized uh, foods, of course, are the ones that are very rare, mm-hmm. right? So gold, for instance... Well, we even there are places that eat. Right, you go to some super fancy restaurants. Uh, they put I, gold I did on go, it. Yeah, I went out for restaurant week with a friend yesterday, and there was a tiny little bit of it on a dessert. And I was like, "This is the first time I've ever actually encountered this before in a restaurant." And immediately, I was like, "I we don't belong here." I'm sorry, <laughs> we, we gotta go. I'm like, wait, did it have gold foil on it? Or a little bit? Yeah, yeah it was like a tiny, tiny little bit of gold foil. But yeah. I, I was just like. We got to go. Like, I, I, we don't belong here. <laughs> right, right. Um, but, uh, for instance, instead of let them eat cake, who, who was, Matt, you would know. Was that Marie Antoinette? Uh, it is attributed to Marie Antoinette. She probably did not say it. Attributed. Right, right. Um, but, um, but I think we'd, we'd was... be eating the rarest things we could find, right? So there's going to be a diamond right. bar where you oh, go of course. to eat the diamonds. Uh, rare yeah. earth metals now become delicious earth metals. Uh, it's, uh, yeah, I would say that the most exotic things, you know, moon dust is the, the most, is, it now replaces Ooh. gold foil on fancy food. Oh, could you imagine eating moon dust? That would just, yeah, that I couldn't do. I would almost have to refuse on ethical grounds. Mm-hmm. I'd say, can I just take it home? Like a, 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 um, a moony bag? Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, as opposed to now, where we're currently limited to moon cheese. Um. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Or moon pies. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, now, I think the most the most epic thing about this is that there could we say there would be no more hunger. Is it you know because if yeah. ever, right? I mean, we okay. just increase the food supply. Almost to the max, mm-hmm. right? I mean, if it if it exists, 
you could eat it. Um, so how, what, you know, if we jump to this sociological level for, as our, I, li- I always like to hit the, hit the accelerator at the end of our if here. Mm-hmm. And, uh, um, if food is just insanely abundant, but it's also anything, um, what does the world look like? What is human well, I guess society? as long as it's yeah. nutritious, it's fine. Mm-hmm. Dirt, mm-hmm. however, could still be not True. calorically satisfying mm-hmm. at all, in which case you have something that will maybe keep you from dying, right. but it's not going to be super great. So I guess it depends on how sustaining some of these things are. Yeah. Because a, a, a big problem is, you know, how do you produce enough of these things for people? How do you grow enough food in enough space that you can still have people around and whatnot, that you're not just taking over all available land for growing food Mm -hmm. for the people, um, but you still can feed everybody. Um, So it might become... Maybe. Yeah. (laughs) We also might become giants. You know, I I figure if like, if you, if, if there is nutrients in this, in in anything, or, or you're just able to, we're able to access nutrients that we can't even approach now um we might become you know norm like the brontosaurus or you know some of the dinosaurs of the past that were just right there's no reason to expect we wouldn't become at least that big um because the food supply i I mean proper nutrition does make you taller i will say that and Uh, humans have been getting taller so for example if you ever visit um just like older buildings you will probably mm -hmm. have to duck um, I was one of the few peoples when we, when we went, I forget where we went, but I, I just, I didn't have to duck because I was like, I'm five foot tall. Like I am yeah. very small relative, but like everybody else had to like duck to get into doorways. Yeah. Um, but it's not necessarily universal. You can have proper nutrition and still be a, a short population, yeah. I guess. It's like, it's know? like vitamins, right? It's a, the lack of nutrition mm-hmm. stunts your growth. Um, the lack of vitamins makes you sick. Extra vitamins does not make you healthier. Um, they just get you yeah, to they a, just get passed out uh, of your set point. Um, but what we, yeah. what we would have different is a lot more people, though, um, because this would this, oh, right. this would mean no essentially no human had ever starved to death in history, um, yeah. uh, so there would be a lot of us around, and that might not be all to the best since we're kind of jerks sometimes. Um, yeah, I was going to say, I always uh, anyone who listens to the show could probably compile all these together. I I always come down on the. Uh... <laughs> The side of humans having the worst behavior, and I would just say that there would be at least one species, or you know, a tribe, or something like that, that would just be the most voracious one of all, and would still find a way to, you know, keep anyone else from having it. You know, no matter what it was, it was just they would just have to. We'd learn to raise the forests faster, and uh, another tribe would probably eat literally eat their way through the earth. Mm-hmm. I could, I could just, just eat the yeah, entire just planet. For fun, I, I think that's else, what would yeah. happen. We would, right? Rather than pollute the planet, we would just eat the entire planet, and then we there'd be no more, and be like, "Well, are you happy now?" You know. Well, maybe we could eat pollution. Oh, that would be nice. I was thinking True. about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. About yeah. if if we're able to digest all of these toxins, suddenly pollutants are maybe less of an issue. Again, it depends what we process them as. So, um, one of the fun things that I think. It's just like kind of cool about biology is some things are not poisonous until we digest them. Um, so, for example, you've probably heard bad af- bad uh, alcohol will make you blind. Um, but that's because of a contaminant called methanol. 
and ethanol and methanol get processed by the same enzyme, which breaks ethanol down so you can eventually be sober, um, but turns methanol into formic acid, which is not great for you and makes you go blind. Um, so it's the processing of some things that makes them poisonous to us, so it would be interesting if we somehow had such a plethora of enzymes that don't accidentally make any weird bad byproducts that we're able to consume everything with perfect mm, impunity. So then yeah. our contaminants are also cleaned up as well, very much like the fungi blooming in Chernobyl and eating up the radiation. Oh, wow. Yeah. That, Life uh, finds a way. Oh, I could, we could go to Chernobyl right now and chow down. I mean, oh, yeah. <laughs> right? Wow. Amazing. That that that's a nice yeah, way. That would solve a lot of the Chernobyl, yeah. Chernobyl turning Chernobyl into chocolate. The new chocolate. Cho- Chernobyl is the new chocolate. <laughs> There's a new T-shirt. Um, that having a new T-shirt reminds me of Joshua has been sitting there politely in the wings. Joshua, if you could eat anything, what would it be? Um, well, honestly, I've always been curious as to what paint tastes like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do you, th- do you th- like drinking it? Do you mean, or we pour like a gravy? Like a like yeah, a like sauce? a sauce. Like you you pour yeah. it on a, on something else, and that maybe there's different flavors of paint. I'm sure there are. Yeah, the painting um, on that's yeah. There 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 could be a whole uh, there could be a whole restaurant themed around paint eating. <laughs> different sauces that right. you can put on your food. That's brilliant. Mm-hmm. Joshua's, yeah, Joshua's paint bar. Yeah, this is a good, yeah. come on down. Yeah. <laughs> this is, a, and, this is uh, a good business plan. I like it. Yeah. It is, it is good. It is good. Forget chocolate. Paint is the new chocolate. Mm-hmm. I, I'll be opening up a place on St. Mark's. Uh, come on down and Fantastic. feast on paint to your heart's content. <laughs> That's wonderful. That's wonderful. Well, Gabby and Matt and Joshua, Gabby especially, thank you so much for this. This has been a super fun one. Um, and those of you who are listening, if you're like, hey, that was really cool. I want more because that's how humans are. That was delicious. Feed me more. I want to eat again. I can't stop eating. Um, you might consider helping us continue to produce this delicious product, this delicious podcast um, with Patreon. Just one little extra plug there. Joshua, what is Patreon? Uh, so if you go how on... do people find it? Yeah. If you go if you cl- if you go on the link patreon.com slash what the if if you type that in, you will see a plethora of delightful delicacies that yes. you can uh feast on to your heart's content. And if and I will say if uh if merchandise was uh considered food, we'd have some really tasty uh goodies available for you. Stickers, mugs, t shirts, hoodies, um yeah. all of it uh completely edible and available for your consumption. Yes, I love it. Um, and uh, if if you just wanted to give us a shout, uh, let us know what would you eat. What would you eat if you could eat anything in the world? I think that's a pretty basic question. If you've never written oh us my- before, G- Gabby, what what's your thoughts? Phil, yeah, Tide Pods. <laughs> Tide Pod challenge finally won't kill people. <laughs> Sorry, I don't know how it took me this entire episode to remember the Tide Pods. Yeah, we do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Brief interjection. Tide Pod <laughs> Challenge. Google it if you're not familiar, and don't do it. Don't yeah, do don't it. The the uh, the uh, Matt, could you just give a safety message right now and say the the thought experiment ends now? What happened? All of we, this is all an if, right? Do, as with our episode right. where there was no gravity, um, do not continue to lead your life as though the if was continuing. 
the paint is bad. Yeah. Dishwasher detergent is bad and all these things yeah. are, are bad. Um, but chocolate is still good. If you're able to eat chocolate, not everyone is. So check your, uh, check your label, ask your mom, ask your doctor. Um, and thank you for listening. You can just email us if you just a thought. Just I, literally, if you send us a thought. The message could be as short as what is the thing you would eat if you could eat anything. Feedback at whattheif.com or just go to our website, whattheif.com. And there's a little message a box there you can you can write to us. Uh, and of course, if you're able, leave us a review. By the way, on your uh, on the podcast app you're using right now, um, so people know about the show and uh, check out Patreon if you haven't done that before. Um, Matt, would you uh, lead us in the uh, closing ceremony? The, the Olympics, I think, are, happen- are are the Olympics still going? I've been bad. Yeah, I think so. Mm-hmm. Still going. Yeah. All right, but we we so the the if we've already done a full if in the time it takes the Olympics to not even mm-hmm. probably do one curling match, um, so but our closing ceremonies what what are our closing ceremonies? Uh, well, we we ponder some things, and in this particular case, as we sit around our meal of plutonium slurry, um, we see the <laughs> barbarians coming over the horizon who are going to come try to steal our radioactive meal. And we scream out, What the Bon appetit, everyone. Bon appetit. That's Yiddish, I think. Thank you all for listening. Thank you for supporting the show, and we will see you next week. <laughs>